On this episode of Inside Outside, we're going to be talking about finding a co-founder. We'll also have a look into our podcast launch party. Stay with us. Running a startup is hard. Running one outside the valley is even harder. Inside Outside is the podcast for inside access to startups outside the valley. Each week, we'll bring you real insights, raw stories, and tactical advice from founders and startup teams around the country. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of Inside Outside. You're looking to startups outside of Silicon Valley. My name is Matt Boyd. And I'm Paul Jarrett. And I'm Brian Ardinger. How's it going? This is a good week. I think it's good. We had a great party last week. Yeah, Fantastic party. Thanks for coming out, people. Thanks. I am on the brink of giggles today. <laughs> I am. Well, it's I it's am. early in the morning, so I, what, what I, get, it is. I my, get pretty giggly in my, the morning. My coffee is kicking in. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Um, we're going to talk about co-founders this week, where you find them, uh, a couple resources, technical co-founders. There's a lot. This is a pretty deep topic of discussion. Um, so in your guys' mind, where do you, where do you find co-founders? I think one of the first things that you need to do is start engaging with the community as a whole, attending events. Um, I know that it sounds silly, but just like cruising LinkedIn, um, I have literally Googled for you know Magento programmers yeah. in Nebraska. So I think um, just putting in the effort, just like anything. Yeah, there, there's a pretty typical way that a lot of people meet their co-founder. And I think that a lot of people meet their co-founder at school or their old friends at work, but not, not everybody has that luxury. So there's a couple of resources that I want to talk about. Founder dating. If you're in San, a lot of these only work in San Francisco, let's be real. <laughs> um, but you know, founder dating, I've, I've tried it. I tried it back in the day of when I was first trying to get squiggle off the ground. Um, did you get a date? <laughs> I, I didn't, to be honest. I, I don't know. Like I didn't really like it too much. Right. Um, it, t- it tends to be a resource that everybody talks about and maybe there's something secretly hidden. I think, I think even, I think David Chade of Travify, isn't that how he got connected with his co-founder? No, I'm pretty sure Interesting. I'm, 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 I'll call it 99.9%. Yeah. There's co-founders lab and there's another one called founder to be, I think these are all pretty similar. You know, they have varying degrees of, um, scamminess i think <laughs> um so you know try it at your own will but these are all resources that everybody talks about so startup weekends are great i don't think necessarily it's the ones that you work on the team for their 48 hours but you have a chance to meet you know a hundred other people in a variety of different sectors and you can look across the teams and say hey that guy's a really good designer i want to talk to him later and it's not something where again you come out with a co-founder yeah. but you start those relationships where you can find out is this somebody i want to spend some time with and actually build something with, you know, do we click? Right. I like that because it, it reminds me a little bit of pipeline. And what we're seeing now is people, and you'll probably see this or have seen this with InMotion, people that attend these things or become part of these um, events or incubators or accelerators or, um, you know, whatever they might be. And it's a meshing of technical people and, and also uh, CEOs. And then after time of kind of getting to know each other, they come around and start a business together. And I think of Davian Ross and Bruce Ioni of mm, Pipeline. Right. They are both, you know, running their own companies and they came together to create Shot Tracker, which was just like a rocket ship out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you open up that, that first discussion of, you know, cause it's kind of this back and forth dance, right? Like, I just go right up to people. I say, what do you do? I think that's the most important. I mean, if you're looking yeah, for a technical yeah. co-founder, don't waste your time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, don't waste your time talking to other CEOs, which is hard because you tend to gravitate towards people that are like-minded, right? 
So when we talk about the co-founder thing, do you think it's mostly people like the business folks looking for a technical co-founder or do you find a lot of the technical folks asking, hey, I need a business founder? Never. I've never even heard of that. <laughs> so like, so yeah. it begs the question. Technical you know, people are like, <laughs> screw that extrovert CEO, like whoever they are. Like, I, you know, like they, it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to put um, what that person's role is. And, you know, programmers, like there's a problem, here's a solution. And what do I need all that other jazz right. for? So what are a couple things that uh, people could walk away with when they're looking for a technical co-founder? To me, I think it's, it comes down to learning to speak their language. I think that um, kind of living in that world and, and you know, even learning a little bit of the technical side of things so that you can kind of make the person feel heard. And um, Yeah, I mean, I think I, I read a quote the other day. I don't remember where it's from, but it's basically, you know, you don't find a technical co-founder, you earn one. I mean, yeah. and I think too many business folks go out and say, well, I just need somebody to build something for me. So that's, I've got to find somebody to build it for me without really thinking about from the technical person's perspective, like, what do you bring to the table? And, and I think you've got to look at it from, from that perspective as well. It's like, this is a team you're creating and, and you've got to bring value. Uh, and if the coders bring in the, the technical know-how and the ability to execute on it, well, what the hell are you bringing? Yeah, I think this is interesting how we quickly kind of went into specifically technical co-founders, you know, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of started talking about uh, just general co-founders. And yeah, so uh, it, it's definitely a, a challenge, I think, for most people to find that. This episode is brought to you by Powderhook. One of the great things about working in this podcast is we get to work with a lot of great startup teams. And one of the uh, startup teams that came to us last week as we were putting together our launch party was Powderhook. And they said, hey, we want to be a part of this and we want to give something back to the audience. So they are giving away or allowing us to give away a six-night, five-day fishing package in Long Lac, Ontario. Yes, for one angler. Yes. What this means, um, we partner with them. Amazing offer. You can you know drive into the camp. It's not a fly-in thing. It's like the closest airports in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is like 200 miles away. And it's just a great opportunity. What we'll do is anybody who's registered at the launch party or if anybody sends us uh, and registers for our newsletter, we'll get you into a drawing and then listen for next episode and we'll announce a winner. Brian, can I win? No, you cannot, Paul. Damn it. <laughs> um, Drew Houston, the co-founder, one of the co-founders of Dropbox, said this on Quora. Good technical people will have ideas of their own that they're excited about or working for a non-technical founder who, by the way, doesn't know or appreciate the difficulty or time it takes to make something well-engineered and undervalues you from an ownership standpoint gets old quickly, which I think you could probably sum that up and just say that, you know, it's good to have a non-technical co-founder who values the the, um, deep aspect of what it takes to build something technically. You know, it begs the question too, like, I'm not necessarily 100% that you have to have a co-founder, at least initially. Like, if you can execute and get what the thing... What about if it's your first time I think there's company. huge benefits, and we can certainly talk about the benefits of having a co-founder. And yeah. I think at some point, it's, it's important to have a team around you. But I'm saying a lot of people, I think, jump into, I need a co-founder because I'm scared, versus I, what do I need a co-founder for? What but, am I going to develop? But we've also talked about you know one of the biggest things of people not starting a company is mm-hmm. because they are, in fact, scared or scared of True. failure or f- scared of embarrassment. So I, I totally agree with you that um, not everybody needs a co-founder, but I think it's such a rare, like less than 0.5%, right? All I'm saying is you don't, I don't think you have to jump into finding a co-founder just because I need a co-founder is right. a, is a, an excuse for not jumping. Do you right. think, do you think it's, it breaks down to kind of a personality level and the fact that some people, um, 
maybe not even the scared thing, but some people just operate more efficiently when there's another mind. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think and it, there's huge benefits to having a co-founder to bounce ideas off of, just to have actually just more bandwidth, quite frankly. Right. What do you think the case would be for a single co-founder? Do you think that some people just operate better by themselves um, in their in their own kind of world? I mean, it, do you think there? I mean, maybe it is point zero one percent of the population, but they. I think they have to have an absurd amount of discipline. Um, I think they have to have an absurd amount of, um, or maybe not absurd, but uh, they have to have almost you know zero emotion. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like discipline and, and and no emotion and almost like robotic, right? Like so I, I don't know Mark Zuckerberg, but everything I read about him, like he kinda <laughs> like falls under that. But he's also, you know, he had people help him start. I actually don't know. Did he have co founders? Uh he had a couple and then they went by the wayside. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. The the Eduardo, that whole movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. that was a bad <laughs> scenario. So how does a person vet co founders in um you know, so let's say that you're not a technical person? Mm-hmm. And you want to find a technical co-founder, and, and you don't have the skill set to necessarily interview that person. How do you do that? Like, how do you actually determine if this person is a good co-founder? Well, I think you mentioned it earlier. First of all, you know, become a little bit more technical savvy. You know, start following groups and and just start learning the lingo and start having conversations, and you start picking some of that kind of stuff up. If you, I mean, at the end of the day, if you really need somebody to vet it, you probably need to find somebody who's an expert in that particular area and see if they'll you know, do an interview with that person or, yeah. or give you some insight into how that person works. I find some of the best feedback is find somebody who's worked with that person in the past yeah, um, on a team or something and yep. then get some feedback on that side. Yep. I, I always like to say, I, I kind of find people that way and I say, well, would you hire them? Would you work for them? Would you hire them? Would you hire them again? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think to, um, you know, talking about mentors and advisors in past episodes, um, this is the perfect example where you can send somebody to a mentor or an advisor um, or a mentor and advisor might give you, <clears throat> excuse me, a mentor or advisor might give you a connection of a technical person that can help interview that person for you. I, I've done that before. And actually, Matt, I've sent people, I've sent people to you before yeah. to help me evaluate them. Yeah. The other way I like is, is try a project together. It doesn't have to be the business that you're creating or whatever. It's like, Hey, let's work on this side project together just to see how you guys click, you know, what kind of problems. And then like a podcast, like a podcast <laughs> or, or, uh, you know, startup weekend or those kind of things are really good. It, it, it ratcheting up the stress level just a little bit to see what really comes out because I think that's oftentimes what happens is the shit really hits the fan yeah. and that's when the co-founder stuff really blows up really quick. You're totally beating me in chicken clucks. <laughs> we have, I, I really firmly believe in something um, that I think will help this entire process and that is uh, doing personality profiles and doing mm. um, Gallup Strength Finder tests. Yeah, you got um, me on those. Yes. So I think, you know, a lot of times people focus on the strengths, but I think what is just as important is personalities. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it doesn't, you shouldn't, in my, in my humble opinion, and I have no background in this other than, you know, at previous jobs, hiring different people and, and working with different people. But um, I think it's more, it, it isn't that you should be looking for specific personalities or skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you should be looking to do is understanding why that person operates the way that they do. Yeah. Um, there are certain, you know, I think 
in the beginning, I'll take Gallup Strengths Finders. Like you should be probably looking for a activator, which is somebody that's going to get things done. Yeah. Right. But then personality profiles, like you should understand why that person, you know, might need time away or they might actually do better. 100% engaged all the time. And and to me, a lot of those things serve to just kind of bring about a sense of being aware of everybody's personalities. Right. Um, if you're aware of personalities, then you tend to um, change your communication to speak to them better. And is you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think in it feels a little phony in the beginning when you start doing it, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it's a conscious effort. But then over time and over repetition and, and you start to just work with people that way. And I always, I mean, for better or for worse, what's served well um, at our company is learning personalities, learning strengths and um, hold tight football analogy. I always think of, <laughs> you know, um, you know, if you have a team and everybody is big and strong, like that's going to be what you are if they're all, you know, short, fast, nimble or whatever it is. Um, but if you can create a team with all of those different skill sets together and everybody meshes together, that's when you have something really, really special. And, and that's actually what we're doing is mm-hmm. we are looking for all different strengths, all different skills, but focusing on how do we bring those people together? How do we bring you yeah, know the extroverts yeah. and the introverts together and working well? And I think, you know, going back to the original thing of why we have co-founders and things along those lines, at the end of the day, you have to have the same vision. And if you don't have that same vision, yeah. you know, the same, you know, I want to make this a scalable company. I right. want to take VC dollars, How whatever you, the case may be. Yep. That's when the rubber is going to hit the road as well. It's, it's right. all fun when you're starting off and, and, and getting that early traction. That, yeah. But if you don't have the same vision of where you want to take the company – that can cause How do you, serious problems. How do you quantify vision? How do you actually kind of dig out, like make sure that that mm. person is on the same page? I, you know, that's a tough question. And, and right tagging along with that, my mind goes to how do you stay, you know, how do you constantly stay on the same page? Yeah. And it sounds really cheesy, but just always communicate. Yeah, totally. Because things change, you know, people mm-hmm. change, priorities change, like things change over time and you need to lock in. Yeah. If, and, if that's not locked in, then you right. Know, if you can't you have an open conversation about things or those conversations that would you know, scare the hell out of anybody else. Yeah. You know, but you need to have well, those as co-founders and that's why you have to have you know at the end of the day you do have to have i think vesting agreements and things along those lines where at least some understanding written or otherwise of of what you're building why you're building it and where you're going to go with it absolutely and and not to mention if you're you know going to take investment dollars or you plan to scale up like those are just things you have to have Mm -hmm. i mean and you kind of look like an idiot if you don't have them in place getting investment without a vesting agreement is (laughs) impossible (laughs) yeah i mean investors won't even touch your company if you don't have vesting agreements and what is it so a typical vesting agreement to me would be like a four-year vest uh, with a one-year cliff so Mm -hmm. that means um basically you don't get any of your stock uh up to the one-year point and then after that one-year point it kind of vests a quarter of your stock and then uh, it vests monthly after that. And that was kind of the setup that I had in my previous company. I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with that. But I think you can that, set it up however you want, but that's that's the pretty standard just, or common. It's, it's really just a protection mechanism so that if one co founder ends up leaving for various reasons, even if it's a great reason Or gets um, hit by a bus. Or gets hit by a bus. <laughs> yep. Like what do you do with that equity? Yep. Yeah. You you wanna have you want to be able to reclaim that equity so that you can redeploy it if you need to exactly. for another co-founder or, or whatever. What do you What do you guys think the um, ideal setup? I always hear about the like the hacker hustler designer 
I love it. Hipster. Hipster Hip- hacker hustler. <laughs> uh, do you think that, that that holds weight or do you think that there's a different configuration or do you think that there is a standard standardized configuration that works best? I, I mean, I think from a configuration perspective, you need all three tra- traits, whether you need three people individually to have those individual traits. I think you can have definitely two, you know, um, hacker slap, slash hipster or uh, the person who's also out there and, and hustling it. But um, you have to have all three of those they're all core components of building a great business. Can we? What is the hipster, the hacker, and the hustler? Good point. The, a so, designer, probably. I think the hipster falls in line with the designer, yeah, the, right? The, the UI, right. UX person. The hustler is but the I, I think, CEO salesman, and correct. the hacker is the CTO. The, desi- the yeah, executor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think it comes down to also this brings back the point of a single co-founder. If you're a single co-founder, you, you probably need to exhibit all of these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you have right. to have a pretty deep, yeah, full stack skill set. That's why it's difficult to be that solo founder. Yeah. And have the discipline, because how hard is it to you know uh, code all day and then you know pick up the phone and, and try to you know yeah, and I don't, sell somebody or pitch something or whatever it is. I don't, I don't think it's totally sustainable. I think that in the earliest days of your yes. company, it's possible to get by with that. But when, now whether it now, whether it's bringing on a co-founder or a first employee, yes, that's different. Like it may be, it may, you may end up getting it far enough to get to the point of being a first employee. The, the basic thing is like, if you can get get as far as you can as a solo person, because yeah. you're going to save your equity and you're going to not have to divide your company up as much or as fast. So the more you can actually execute and get further down that line, the better off you're going to be from a founder perspective. If you need to bring in a co-founder to actually create value in that, great, do it. I mean, that's at the end of the day, you want to create value and however you're going to be able to make that happen is what you need to do. But all I'm saying is like, if you have some of the capabilities to get the ball further down the, the field, uh, you're going to be better off long-term. Yeah. I would see, I would err totally on the side of get a partner right away, get a co-founder right away and start establishing goals, holding each other accountable. You know, almost, it's almost, um, it's almost kind of uh, like if you join a gym you know, there's certain people that can do 24 hour fitness, yeah. you know, and they can hold themselves accountable. Yeah. And then there's some people that need a boot camp instructor. Yep. And I, I'm venturing to guess that most people, if you've never worked out before, um, you know, it's probably best for you to get a boot camp instructor. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a little bit like a finding a co-founder early on. I, I mean, I. I'm, I agree with you, Paul, from the standpoint of... You can say you don't. No, I do. But I, I, <laughs> People are more interested if we don't. <laughs> what do you guys think about um, couples working together? Paul, you probably have a pretty strong I opinion. I think it's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, think Sorry, a good strategy, I think a good strategy is to get married to the person that you intend to get. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's served us well. Um, for for um, those of you that don't know, um, my co-founder is also my wife. Um, she is our CMO. She's our hipster. So I would be the hustler and, and she would be the hipster in that kind yeah. of framework. Yeah. I think it's a very polarizing topic, actually, like yeah. having a, a yeah, couple some, as a co-founder. There's, there's some investors that won't even look at that. Right. Which is kind have of crazy. You, have you found that, to be honest? Have you found that in, in raising? Um, I haven't had anybody say it to my face, even oh, when I try. So that's, I am... 100% positive people have probably found out yeah. and said, oh, you know, we, we don't. And, and I always follow up after a pitch and say, why didn't you do it? Um, we have, you know, people have asked about insurance, investing and all. And we have that stuff as tight as it could be. 
Um, at one point in time, we were talking to a firm and I said, uh, do we need to get a prenup? Like, will that help? Like, if yeah, that's yeah. what we need to <laughs> right do, now. like, it's fine. It's not a big deal to us. Um, and then I think there are um, some people that actually, just like anything, like, you know, they lean towards it. And then we've talked to people that are kind of on the other side of the fence where they hear that we're couples and we're actually really into it. And usually those people were either part of a married couple team or they've worked with it before. And I, I just kind of like think it's insanity if, you know, you wouldn't take yeah. a couple because here's the deal. They go home. That's all they're going to talk about. They're in the shower <laughs> in the morning. They're talking about it. Like I, I literally think well, we let's, have like let's be real too. the time. Your co-founder, regardless if you're actually married to them, you're married to them. And so. Exactly. Yeah, you guys yeah. heard Blake and Adi. Yeah. They're married. <laughs> they're like yeah. an old couple. <laughs> What is a, what is one piece of advice for somebody who's thinking about starting a company with their significant other? I think that the most important thing is doing the strengths and personality profiles and really understanding each other. Um, and I think you need to draw a line in the sand of where, you know, what you're willing to do. And like, as far as the business goes, and if you go get to that point in the sand and, uh, or that line in the sand, you know, you need to say, okay, one of us needs out or we've crossed or, you know, just kind of putting, ba- putting boundaries down. And then just like anything, just like business and, and you know, your, your company or whatever, like you have to work at it. Like you yeah. have to work. Yeah. And here's the thing. It has made us, my wife and I, an exponentially better couple. Like, I feel like we were able to fast forward to most couples, you know, probably get to the level we're at. They'd probably need another 10 years, but we've been forced to work through some really difficult challenges. But we also set time aside to kind of work on ourselves and, you know, we set aside time to be together. So um, I'm actually so grateful for that experience because it's made us better and stronger. I think at the end of the day, whether you're married or or just co-founders, traditional co-founders, it's all about having the same vision. I mean, you've got to be on the same page, not vision step by step for everything, but you've got to be on the same page and at least know when one is going off a different track or understands uh, where you want to go. So let's, uh, let's come down. I want to, I want to talk really quick, really again about single person teams. And I want to ask you a polarizing question. Are you for them or against them? Simply yes or no against? Yes. In the end. Yes. I'm against them. You have to, you have to have more people. Okay. Okay. I'm for them. You're four single. Oh, I dig that. Tell us. Tell us about that. I just think that, you know, now it it is personality wise. You just waited till our answers. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's, it comes down to personality type. I I don't think that it is the standard, but I I don't want to uh, inhibit somebody who is thinking about starting a company and they're a single person founder. If they have it in their brain to do it, then they can do it. I think that uh, if you want to learn the technical side of things, if you want to learn the design side side of things, or you already have some of those, it's possible to do it. Is the question, are we for it, or is it possible? I, I guess those would, in my mind, those would be the same thing. Oh, see, I would say, yeah. I am against it, but I believe it's possible. Okay, well, if that's the case, then that's probably where I stand as well. Well, that sucks, because then we're all on the same Damn. page. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I go back, I'm against it. It'll <laughs> never work. Super honored to get to introduce these guys. Um, but I guess just a little bit about me and John Words, um, one of the co-founders of Huddle. If you didn't know, we recently had a podcast launch party at Vega, and quite a few people showed up. So we decided 
to give Paul the mic and have him just kind of walk around in the crowd and see what came out of it. What you're listening to right now is a direct result of what came out of that night. We apologize in advance for some of the scratchiness in the audio and things like that. It was a crazy night. Hope you enjoy. We were one of the early startups office down here in the Haymarket. Back in 2007, we moved offices to where Mac practice is right now above um, El Potrero. We had our own personal little kind of margarita stand down below us while we were above El Potrero. That was awesome. Um, and I remember, you know, back then when we were down in the Haymarket, um, it's definitely not the way it is now. It makes me feel a little bit old making statements like that. But over the last, you know, eight years, things have completely changed. Um, and it's been so powerful for us here at Huddle to have this ecosystem kind of grow around us. Um, we like to think we played, you know, a small part in helping to make it happen, but it was only a small part. A lot of the people here in the room actually played a huge role in that happening. And we're just proud to get to be a part of the awesomeness that's happening in Lincoln and in Omaha and the Midwest, but especially here um, in the Haymarket and in the heart of Lincoln. So now kind of transitioning into what this event's all about. Um, one of the things I think these three up here would definitely echo it. We're bad at telling our story here in the Midwest. Uh, we, we just do a bad job of it. Not for any uh, fault of ours, I think, other than we grew up in kind of a humble community. That's our ethos. That's our values. Um, and it leads us to not really banging our own drum as often as we should. Um, and where that, I think, really impacts us uh, around here is talking about our stories, not just telling the great things that are happening, which we need to do, but telling the real kind of deep, painful failures that happen, the, the tough times that everyone needs to hear. Um, and we also do a bad job of helping each other know how to ask for help. So it's great that we're making connections. It's great that we're all hanging out here tonight, but um, how do we learn how to ask for help better? How do we learn what the real stories are that are happening underneath the surface while we're all talking about how we're killing it to each other, you know, at every bar you know, that we go to? I just said schnikes. I haven't said that since like the mid 90s. Why, why is 1011 here? Um, because we just think it's really important to show the, how Lincoln is growing and expanding and everything, and we really want to uh, just show everything the city has to offer. Can you state your name and what you do for the interview? My name is Lauren Scott, and I'm a reporter for 1011 News. Nice. Thank you very much. I'm uh, Brad Roth, and I'm the executive director of New Tech Ventures. Have you ever started a company or been part of a startup? I have not started a company. Have you ever dreamt of it or thought of it? Pardon? Have yeah. you ever dreamt or thought of it? You know, I have. What's holding you back? My day job? <laughs> That's a really good answer, actually. That's a really good answer. You know, when, when I was thinking about it, and my wife will remember that, um, I was talking with actually a university faculty member here in town, and my kids were senior, juniors and or sophomores and seniors in high school. And uh, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I can't give up the stability right at that time to, uh, to venture out. But it was very uh, enticing and exciting, and even just the thought of it as contemplating the business planning and, uh, um, you know, working in a high-tech, high-growth company was pretty exciting. But now I, as part of the university and part of New Tech Ventures, um, I get to uh, be part of the ecosystem, I hope, in a meaningful way and get to interact with Brian and Matt and you guys and everybody. And it's, it's, it's a privilege as well as uh, it's a lot of fun. My name is Dee Roth. This is my husband, Brad. And one of the most thrilling things about his job at the university is I get to come to all these wonderful events and meet all these people that I 
respect so much for their wonderful ideas and the risks that they're taking, and it's fun to see them succeed. Did you do you do you remember when he had an idea? Did he talk to you about starting a business sometime? Absolutely, he does, and I'm probably part of the reason he didn't, because I'm not a risk taker. I like stability, so I I'm probably the one that had a part of that that he didn't do that. So, are the kids still in uh, the home? Or are they gone? Our oldest one um, graduated from UNL and got married a couple years ago. And then our twins are at UNL and will graduate in two weeks. So we're almost out. So can he do it now? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just not a risk taker. Plus, we're having so much fun with the job he has now that we do get to be a part of this and see it without any of the risks. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just not a risk taker. <laughs> That's great. You two are awesome. Thank you very much. I'm going to go bother other people. My name is Yao, co-founder of Seamster. What are you doing here? Um, what am I doing here? Um, supporting you guys. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so what do you do? What, tell me about Seamster. What stage of the business are you in right now? We are in the MVP stage and also the, the validation stage. Um, we're going out, we're talking to um, a lot of agencies. This is- uh, it's What kind of agencies? Um, mainly content agencies or digital marketing agencies. Um, agencies that, that crank out a lot of content. What was the final thing that made you become an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. Um, the final thing was, you know, I would say it was definitely the stress of... Uh, you wanted the stress? No, I didn't want the stress. <laughs> what pushed you over the... You know, they say entrepreneurs have to jump off a cliff to right, start. Right. What what events or what things led you to that? Because we're, we're talking to a lot of people here. And yeah. frankly, like everybody kind of gets to the edge of the cliff, but they don't dive. And I'm kind of curious, like, what, what made you do it? What made me? So, yeah, um, we moved here. My, my fiance and I moved here. Where's your fiance? She's right there. Um, you can tap her if you want. Hi, fiance. <laughs> Hi, what am I supposed to say? You want to come over here for a minute? I guess so. We're talking about you. Oh, we're talking about me. Yeah, so he's he wants to know what, what drove us to take that cliff. Or, you know, is it, is it a cliff or is it a leap? Which one is it? Which Whatever you want to make. It's on if you free fall to the ground and, like, yeah. explode or if you leap and, like, land on your feet, I suppose. I like to think it's flying because, you know, you're doing what you love to do. Um, um, for me, to answer your question, it was it was juggling two lives, basically. Um, having a full-time job with the University of Chicago and then trying to do this, this other thing that I really, really love and wanted to see grow um, off hours, you know, middle of the night. That, that's the stress that I was explaining. It's, it, was, it was extremely, you know, um, um, hard to, to juggle the two things. So the final, I guess, you know, um, straw was, was waking up one day and just saying, hey, I can't, I can't be two people. I have to either focus on this or just let it go. So I'm Kelly Sturick, uh, business development for Bug Eater Labs. Alec Weesey, uh, designer and chief information officer for Bug Eater Labs. And what stage of your business are you in? Uh, Pre-launch, pretty much. Uh, we got a product in the works, and we're looking to launch it in the next few months. What is the product? Uh, the main product is Jump, which is a cricket-based protein supplement. So, Did you say crickets? Indeed I did, Paul. What moment 
or what chain of events did you need to happen before you guys took the jump to become an entrepreneur? Ooh. Uh, tough question. Um, I guess you could say I've been exposed to entrepreneurship my entire life. So it was kind of one of those things that uh, I'd eventually get into it. Um, How were you exposed to it? Uh, my dad actually owned his own business, ran it. Uh, my grandpa actually started his own business after the Air Force. Uh, my uncle had a pretty successful startup. Uh, what, what's the name of it? Uh, I actually don't remember, but they made Motorola chips, uh, Motorola communication chips back in the 90s. Those sound delicious. <laughs> yes, they pretty well I would recommend eating them. But uh, yeah, to tele telecommunications, uh, basically, and also internet uh, networking. So, What keeps you up at night? A lot of things. Um, mostly the crickets and the caffeine. Uh, that was good. That was good. You nailed that question. Um, um, what is your biggest fear with what you're doing right now? My biggest fear with what we're doing right now? I think my biggest fear is that if something happens good or bad and I didn't do the most I could to make it happen. That's what I want to do is just to make sure I can contribute as much as possible. Hold on to him, dude. I, I think if this explodes, I'm going to have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I, I'm just going to be like... Pro tip, none of us do. Okay, yeah. Well, good. So I'm in good company. Um, but obviously you need that... Um, I think you need that holy crap moment. I need to actually start doing it way more than I'm used to. So, uh, Could you say your name and what you do? Matthew Wagoner with uh, iSoft Data Systems and Turbine Flats. What's kind of a, a few words of wisdom to uh, budding entrepreneurs that you would like to give? People that have already started, but what do they need to know? What's something you want to tell them that's really important? Um, well, just be prepared for the highs and the lows and uh, be open with, you know, find some good friends that you can share um, both of those sides of it. Uh, because if you don't tell people where you're at, honestly, and, and uh, ask for help, nobody can give it to you. Um, so it's, uh, uh, you know, important to find good people around you and surround yourself with those good people and then have good straight up conversations about, you know, how do I move on from here? Um, can you state your name and what you do? You boys into? <laughs> David Graff, I work at Huddle. Todd Prunner, I'm a recruiter at Huddle. Jason West, I work at Huddle. So while David is is looking at you guys, what's the best and worst thing about working at Huddle? The best thing, don't mind me getting sappy, it's the people. Uh, the speed and the fun, that's what it all boils down to, is having great people there. Uh, the worst thing, um, portion control at lunch. That's the worst thing. I was thinking all that free food at lunch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I tell you, when Seaberries comes, oh, my goodness. Uh, yes. Well, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard. Best and worst thing. I think, I think Todd hit it on the head. I mean, the culture and the people are top notch. The worst thing, sometimes it's just too much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, David, what, um, what brought you here tonight? We came to support you guys. We think it's great that you guys are doing this for the community. So, thanks. Man. Want to come on and show support? Can you tell? Can you remember back when you guys were first thinking about Huddle? What was the one thing, or what was the chain of events that actually got you to go over the cliff? It, kind of like jump. Yeah, you know, take the leap. You know, Nebraska really convinced us. So seeing the attraction from the first customer, seeing their interest in the product, really from the Huskers. Yeah, from the Nebraska University of Nebraska football team. 
convinced us that it was the right thing. It was the right product for the right time. So you guys kind of had like a, a, a pre-start, right? You had a customer. You kind of had that set up going. Yeah, it was a huge benefit to have in that way. Do you recommend other people do that? I think if you can, it's a great way to go because you can prove out that your product's actually going to meet the needs of a customer in advance. You can learn a lot as you're going through the process of building it out with them. You got to be careful back there, Paul. Yeah, I just got goosed. <laughs> ah, and it was a beautiful woman. Step. Um, Please. Um, what is your biggest fear in regard to huddle? Or snakes. Yeah, I thought, you were just, I thought it was just a wide open question because I had a lot of things going through my head at that point. When it comes to huddle, what's your biggest fear? You know, that we can keep the culture is pretty important for us. So as we continue to grow, that we find the right people. And as long as we keep doing that, it makes the rest of it easy. How do you do that? Very careful process. A couple of guys here could speak to it better than I can that hire a lot more people, but um, you know, it's just very careful screening. It's getting people in front of a lot of other people at Huddle and letting our crew kind of vet out that process themselves. It's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the building that you guys are throwing down here. Is, are you build, I don't get, are you, I probably should have read more than the headline. Um, are you building it out or are you building it up? Or are you, how, how's that going to go? Yeah, so we'll start, I think ground will break probably late summer. It's kind of a oh, so it's like you're putting a shovel in the ground. I'm hoping to put a bobcat or like a. Dude, that is dope. That's like that's like front page Midlands business with like a golden shovel. We will see what we can do. You know, we really want to use heavy equipment, so we'll see about that. Nice. So uh, sorry, I cut you off. Tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah, so we're still figuring a lot of it out. We were meeting with the architects regularly to help decide exactly what the path is going to be. There's going to be a lot of space for us to bring all of our office together in Lincoln. So both buildings, one place. As the CEO and co-founder, you have no idea how fired up it gets me that you guys are actually digging into the ground and building something. I have goosebumps like here. We're really excited too. Our our team's very excited, and you know, for us, it's going to be it's going to be awesome to get everyone back together in one place. What is uh, one word of advice that you want to give? I'm going to ask you two questions. Word of advice for people that haven't started and are thinking about starting a company. And the second part of that is somebody that's just started, what's a word of advice for them? Yeah, so the first one, someone who's just thinking about starting right now, I would say get out there and vet your idea with a customer. That worked out really well for us. And then just get it done. Just whatever excuses you're making right now, just stop doing it and just make it happen. And then number two, I'd say if you're just getting started, try to find a good mentor who's been there before. Then there's a lot of great ones in the community. There's a lot of people who have been through there before and who have... You know, have some time on their hands right now. It's not it's not just limited to those that are in the fray right now, you know, doing the battle. It's those who have been through it 20, 30 years ago and still have really relevant, really timely advice. We benefited from that hugely when we got started. Well, that's it for this episode of Inside Outside. If you want to hear your voice in the podcast, call the voicemail line, leave a comment, ask a question, or just say hi. That number is 402-413-1194. Also, thank you to our audience for taking part in this week's episode. We wouldn't be doing this without you. Music for this podcast is brought to you by bensound.com. Until next time, go build something big.